0: Hello and welcome to The Urbanist, Monocle's programme all about the built environment. I'm your host, Andrew Tuck.
1: Coming up... A successful place is somewhere that's got lovely parks, lovely areas of open space and certainly the dock works that will be open in the summer, I think will give people a real taste of what we might be able to deliver in future.
0: Creating a new city district is no easy task. Even less so if you're planning to deliver what is that city's first new town centre in over five decades. This week, we explore two visionary projects aimed at truly transforming the cities they're in. We start in London, where the master plan for the Canada Water Area will not only deliver a new town centre and High Street, but incorporate renowned cultural venue Printworks into its fabric. Then we're off to Finland to explore the Helsinki Innovation District's project and hear how locals are being encouraged to test out their own ideas for the city. That's all coming up over the next 30 minutes right here on The Urbanist with me, Andrew Tuck. We start today's programme with a small detour from our office in London to Canada Water in Zone 2, Of the british capital which is undergoing a remarkable transformation british land together with its joint venture partner australian super is in the process of creating a new 53 acre mixed-use district surrounded by over 130 acres of green spaces park and woodland the potential to truly transform this part of the city is enormous so much in fact that the project is also delivering what is the first new town centre and high street in London for over 50 years. All the while, the developer is committed to doing this in a sustainable way and respecting the site's history, from the historic docks to the acclaimed cultural venue Printworks. With phase one set to be completed in November this year, I had to stop by for a tour and discover more about their vision for London. Emma Cariaga is British Land's joint head of Canada Water and head of residential, and she met me right outside the tube station for the start of our tour.
1: Right, we're just going to go around here. I'm just going to squeeze past you. This is a residential building, which we don't own, but they're very sweet to us. Let us use it as a amazing viewing platform until we've built our own tower this is the best place to see it so we're standing at the top of Ontario Tower just above the Jubilee Line station at Canada Water and we're looking out over the city skyline and we always start our tours here because many people don't know where Canada Water is why would they you know it's a place where today which is mainly somewhere where people live and so if you live here you know it but most people have just passed through it and it's not until we come up here that they can touch the city skyline and the south bank and they start to make the mental map of where it is on london's geography we're looking out onto what was known as the rotherhithe peninsula up until the late 1960s all of what you can see was largely a series of ponds because it was Dockland so about 65% of all this area was covered in water and it was the place that timber arrived from North America and Scandinavia bringing wood that was then used to feed London's construction industry and that all changed at the end of the 60s when the docks closed that industry ceased to be and so we were left with a series of waterways that were filled in by the arisings that were dug out from the M25 motorway project around the edge of London and so what you can see now is very little of that water left a little bit on the other side which you'll see points out towards our site but this side was largely filled in and used for housing so most of this housing was built for london's workers affordable housing and over the years has really changed quite a bit actually into being a home for all sorts of londoners key workers renters quite a big international community here lots of people from southeast asia lots from north africa as well as a smattering of kind of original dock families that are still here
0: and just to emphasize how close so where we're standing. It looks like you could almost touch Tower Bridge and then the high rise of the city just across the water from us. It's super close, but as you say, pretty low rise. And for many Londoners, not somewhere that they would naturally be drawn to at the moment. Just tell us the scale of your domain here for this big Canada water project. What we are seeing? Will this be plugged into what you're doing, the existing housing here?
1: It will. I mean, this is a 30,000-person strong community they will be here for the long term and we will be adding to them our own development creates a similar kind of quantum of people who will either be working or living or visiting our development so we'll be doubling the size of the population when we're finished we've had a lot to do with this community certainly over the last eight or so years We've run huge amount of engagement programmes looking at what they want here, what they think is missing in terms of retail, in terms of F&B, in terms of shops or cultural or educational venues. And they've helped us actually conceive the master plan. We've changed things that they didn't like and you know we're really grateful for the input that they've given us and their time.
0: Emma, before we move on, just tell us what that master plan is. So, what is it that's being built here?
1: So, we're going to be delivering a new district for London. It will be a place that will be home to about 3,000 homes when it's completed. That feels appropriate given there's already a strong residential community here. But, adding to that, this is a place where people can come to work. And so, over two and a half million square feet of workspace, which will be a space for about 20,000 people to come and work, and then up to a million square feet of retail, leisure, culture and community uses. But I think this is probably the best example of a really mixed-use place where about 50-50, there'll be a 50-50 split in floor area between residential and commercial uses, so people coming all day Every day, I think it's pretty unique. So, this is the best spot, I guess, to look at the first phase that we're delivering. One of those is already completed, and then these two buildings, which are in front of us, make up the remainder of phase one. A 35 story tower, a residential tower called the Founding, which will be home to 186. Apartments. It's got to the top now, and they're just finishing off the cladding and the balcony works, and that will be open in December of this year. And next to it, you can see the building which will be home to the new leisure centre. In the basement of the building, You'll be able to go for a swim in the basement and then pop up to four floors of offices that sit above it and those two buildings you can see are facing onto the dock Canada Dock which we've taken over responsibility for and what we're doing to it at the moment is installing a new bridge which will be a timber red bridge designed by Asif Khan well-known architect and that will be open in the summer of this year together with an enhancing of the wildlife habitat So, where you can see all that earthworks today will be a hive of biodiversity and new planting which should be open in the summer so really lovely aspect waterside views for people working visiting and living in those two buildings so you can see some of the old remnants of the dock heritage some of the ponds that haven't been filled in those that were filled in were either developed for housing or they were turned into parkland and so you can see see the green mound behind that is a swathe of woodland called russia dock woodland that's about 45 acres on the eastern end of our site and that was home to russia dock originally and has been turned into this amazing really mature woodland You can see the school on the skyline, so that flat roof, sort of grey, silvery complex is Bacon's College. And to the right-hand side of the Green Mound, you can see two sort of low-rise complexes, which are single-form entry primary schools. So, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about Canada Water. We haven't got to build schools, we haven't got to build railway stations. You know, all that baseline infrastructure and an existing community is already here. And so... Our approach has got to be how we sort of knit into that, and if the schools need expanding, we can expand them. But we don't have to build shiny new ones because there's some really good ones already here.
0: And tell me, it's a, a fascinating time for all cities, and especially for London. We've come out of the pandemic years. that Lots of questions about the future of office space and how people want to work and how people want to live and whether people want to be in cities or not. You've obviously kept your nerves throughout this entire period thinking this is the right project for London and to deliver. What do you think will bring people here? What is it that you'll be offering here at the site that will make companies think this is the place that we need to be and residents think this is where I want to live?
1: I think if the pandemic taught us anything, it was how important it is to have access to open spaces, fresh and clean air, And Canada Water's quite unique and pretty special because it's very low rise, thanks to its history, but actually super hyper-connected. And I think if you're an employer trying to persuade staff to come back to the office or move with you to a new location, that lifestyle, access to water and green space, as well as an amazing building is at the top of their list so canada water can do that we don't have any legacy buildings that we're stuck with that we've got to compromise convert we can build what the market wants and i think none of us really know you know what the future of the office is but with the blank canvas we've got here a loose plan we can respond to what people want, design buildings that reflect the changing way in which people want to work and hopefully attract people to it because of the amazing place that it is today. So for commercial working at Canada Water we feel confident that we've got a plan and a proposition that people will like.
2: Hello everyone. Hey everyone, hey. Hi, Carlotta. Hello, yeah, nice welcome. The ha- nice how long you? since you, uh, you opened? We opened uh, just before Christmas. So, uh, the project was supposed to be finished end of November. You know, as you all know, these things run on a bit longer. So they finished kind of mid-December and I was left with the, you know, do you, do you not? Yeah. Do you kick it to spring? And did you, you did? And we did. The people who are coming are people who live around here mostly, or yeah, a lot of locals, you know, a lot of very very cool locals, you know, a lot of great creatives. Um, I met so many kind of bohemian artists, um, designers, architects, musicians. It's been awesome, um, great fun. So I'm kind of going to start really working and doing some cool stuff. with me. The woman down yesterday wants to kind of start building kind of Pacific murals around the place and. Wow, fun. And fascinating This, what will happen all around you over the next couple of years as well. Yeah, super, super exciting. I guess the whole Canada water thing in the sense that, you know, that was boats coming from Canada, yeah, yeah. you know, to Canada water and bringing all the timber. Uh, I've worked with Joel from YesMake, so all the all the timber tabletops and benches are all kind of local trees that were fouled on the Printworks site. And so he kind of helped build those, and the bar, we kind of recycled, 99% of that was from the existing estate, just different bits and pieces that we managed to pull out and pull together, so, collective. (laughs) Good. Congratulations, it looks amazing. And a
0: good place for the community to have a place to come together when there's so much transformation going on there as well. We're snaking through the site and now we're outside Teddy. It's not a teddy bear shop, it's a a university, tell us where we're at because there's some amazing timber buildings here some fresher, some already weathered in a little bit tell us where we are
1: So we're in the southeastern corner of the site in a part of it that we're calling a modular campus and it's a part of the site that we don't need until almost the back end of the development so to try and get some early tenants on site rather than waiting for permanent buildings to be built which take years we have decided to deliver modular buildings here which are designed, manufactured in the UK and installed from start to finish in 12 months and compared to three plus years for a new building that just gives you a massive advantage on time. So today it's home to Teddy who are the Engineering and Design Institute an engineering university effectively whose first graduates will be coming off the block in the summer of this year, an undergrad degree in engineering. And in time, as this new university, which is backed by King's College London, Arizona State University and University of New South Wales in Sydney, as this grows, eventually they'll outgrow this modular campus and then move into a permanent building on site. But coming here early has given them a chance to figure out what kind of building they want in the long term, The beauty of modular is that you can just expand it and tack on bits to it, pull it apart, move things around. It's pretty resilient. It allows people, I think, to really figure out how they want to use space. So we love the form of construction, so much so that we built another building next door to it, which is now home to some science and innovation businesses. Life sciences is a hot topic in London, and we need more space. But businesses, particularly small SMEs, can't really wait for big shiny buildings to be built. So again, modular work well for them, coming in early, taking a bit of space, and maybe as their business expands or they go through funding rounds and manage to grow their business, they can grow into this space and again eventually into a permanent building on site.
0: But perhaps interesting seeing the pub, seeing this, seeing the way that you're working with the community that already exists here, that notion of, ribbon cutting day when you pull off the the canvas and the whole thing is completed and nobody knows what's been going on development these days especially in in a city area it feels like it's it's various speeds making sure you deliver some things early keeping the community involved not such a linear process maybe as some people might imagine development to be
1: it isn't and i think that's because at this scale We've got a loose plan, but I think it would be fair to say there's bits we just don't know the answers to. And so trying to come up with ways of experimenting into new sectors, higher education, life sciences, we get a chance to sense the depth of demand for this kind of product. Uh, We learn from these businesses. They help us figure out what we're going to design in terms of permanent buildings. So we have a plan, but it's not a fixed, rigid plan. probably about five years ago we had global generation who are behind the skip garden at King's Cross to come down and work with us in terms of an engagement programme with local schools particularly to try and teach them about horticulture and also to try and encourage the local kids to help us co-design the public realm so what do they want the new three and a half acre park to look like, feel like so we built this space for them a new classroom where they teach horticulture and they've had hundreds of school visits over the last few years coming to learn about planting and soils and food growing and they will undoubtedly be a permanent fixture I'm sure somewhere on the master plan this is a temporary home for them but they've been really helpful in connecting us in with local schools and telling us what they want for the new park
0: and there are even some resident chickens as well
1: there are, there are. A few <laughs> of them have been eaten by the foxes over the years, but there's there's a few still here. There's
0: some hardy holdouts. So, but amazing to see again. A way of bringing the community in, and that development isn't something that feels distant and over the horizon. It's something that people understand is happening around them, and they can have their, their say and get their hands dirty here by planting plants. So
1: this is the back end of the printworks. We're demolishing the of ancillary warehouses but what you're looking at is the beginning of what behind it is the original press halls two enormous halls effectively where the printing presses used to operate 24 hours a day 7 days a week and that's the essence of what's being retained and will come back as a new cultural venue in a couple of years time
0: And what kind of cultural venue, what sorts of things are they aiming to have here?
1: Well in the five years it was running it was synonymous for electronic dance music but also a pretty broad programme of high culture with ballet, proms, we had a lot of product launches and conferences here and the idea is to bring all of that back, so a really varied programme that the conferences serve, the business community on the site. The electronic music serves its core markets. You know, we think of it as some sort of lovely combination of the Lincoln Centre, South Bank, a bit of Barbican. You know, sort of a multi-purpose type venue that will provide a great facility for the centre in a really iconic building.
0: Again, the the original use is brought back in, that you're you're not thinking about smartening things up. It's about making sure that people who know this area still come.
3: Yeah, they
1: love the scruffiness of it. The inside is pretty raw. So the architect's got quite a challenge not to touch that. So a lot of the steelwork that we're taking down, we will reuse inside and, and outside as part of the new work. It's it hard trying to keep, keep that raw integrity, but we're up for it.
0: architectural models like this. It's, yeah, this they're is, so this the
1: cool. Everything that you can see that's lit is us. So that's 7 million square feet, 53 acres, the master plan as it will be completed. And how it works is as we get nearer to committing to buildings or we're on site with them, the model changes from being quite simple facades into coloured, much more materiality. So you can start to see the form and the, and the shape of the building so those are the two ones that we're on site with with the work that's happening around the dock edge that all completes this year and then as you saw as we wandered around we're on site with the Printworks, which will be the next building we'll deliver with a new three and a half acre park so that should be on site later this year and the repurposed print works which will have a cultural venue replicating the programme that it had and some amazing new offices in part of that building.
0: There is there a specific place that you think of as being the, the new town centre for the hill?
1: I think the heart of the town centre will be in the area that's largely occupied by the shopping centre today. We think that will be the, where the bulk of the retail, the new high streets and lots of bars and restaurants. But actually, across the rest of the scheme, as you would expect in any neighbourhood, you'll get pockets of retail restaurants and cafes spreading themselves right the way through it Uh, the new high street runs past the two buildings which we're on site with i think that's the first new high street we think that's been built certainly in 50 years if not longer our vision for that is a street that is able to accommodate shops of all shapes and sizes uh, restaurants and cafes and largely a 24-hour operation. You know, we very much hope that we will be having spaces that are used right the way through the day and into the evening, shops that can be retailed during the daytime and then turn into being coffee shops and community spaces in the evening.
0: London has this amazing adaptability to shapeshift and become something different. And here you see such an epic example of that. You must be excited about the legacy you could potentially leave there
1: it's quite responsibility (laughs) there'll be people who are hopefully enjoying this for many years to come and it is something that's hugely exciting i mean the buildings are looking phenomenal the ones that are coming out the grounds i think we're equally proud there of the spaces between the buildings i think a successful place is somewhere that's got lovely parks, lovely areas of open space and certainly the dock works that will be open in the summer I think will give people a real taste of what we might be able to deliver in future. So,
0: Thank it. you for the tour, everyone. We also head to Helsinki today where the city has just wrapped up a three-year project that transforms the Finnish capital by turning several neighbourhoods into test laboratories for new urban solutions. The Helsinki Innovation Districts project encouraged residents and businesses to pilot things such as citizen-controlled lighting, modular green spaces and new play areas for children. Our Helsinki correspondent Petri Putsoff brought us this
3: report. Even with the best of intentions, cities don't always know what's best for their citizens. What kind of play areas do the children like? If we build a park here, will people use it? And the same applies to the businesses. You might think that you have come up with the perfect park bench. But before you actually place it in a park, you won't know if the people agree with you. The idea behind the Helsinki Innovation Districts was simple to turn parts of the city into urban labs where new ideas can be tested in real life. The project was run by the city of Helsinki's innovation company Forum Virium and it concluded at the end of last year. I met up with the company's program director Kerko Vanhanen in Malmi, one of the districts involved in the three-year project.
4: In the center are the people living here, so when we test something new, we always want to get uh, true-life references that are really valuable for those companies that are uh, developing something new, but they probably do not know, are they in the right direction uh, with their products. And the same goes to the city. They might just continue the same way they have always been doing. And uh, with our support, they might become more aware of the new opportunities what the markets may offer to them to solve the actual problems. And uh, how to make these tests and pilots then more valuable, of course, if they are as close to real life as possible. So then we uh, do them in the real life environment and bring the people to test use them. That's kind of the core idea.
3: Next, Vanen wanted to show me one of the pilot projects that was carried out in the district.
4: Where we are at the moment is uh, this park where uh, the city had to uh, renew the lighting. And uh, okay, you could just take the old one off and uh, replace it with a new one, probably with LED technology and less uh, energy consumption. But in this case, uh, the company that uh, was selected uh, to be one of those uh, competitors in our agile piloting program offered solution where you can uh, tune the color of the light and on the other hand uh, also the tone of the light so that it, is it warm or cold but also, is it red or green? And uh, if you could offer an interface for the normal residents that when they come into this park, they could change the light to better serve their needs at that precise moment. And uh, with with an interface offered in the mobile web, the people then were able to change the lighting conditions uh, when they were in the place. And it's pretty cool. The, I mean,
3: the Innovation District's uh, project has, has ended, but the lights are still here. So, you know, even though this is sort of an like, agile testing and sort of a test lab mentality, some of the solutions have, have stayed. And, and we're in the park now, and you basically just scan the QR code with your phone, and then it opens an interface where you can change the color temperature of the lights. It's, it's, quite, it's quite amazing and nice for the citizens to do that. The lighting experiment was one of more than 20 pilots tested as part of the Helsinki Innovation District's project. The others included things like urban greenery, wood construction, play areas for children, voice guidance in busy areas, modular urban furniture and grassroots circular economy. I asked Vanhanen what the city learned from the project and what advice he would give to cities that want to test new urban development ideas together with the citizens and the businesses.
4: One lesson definitely is that uh, in such kind of virgin places like Kalasatama, where a lot of people move in at the same time and then they are wondering how they settle there in their new life, they are more open to different new services and solutions. In that district, it was quite easy to recruit people also to participate in our projects. But uh, probably the biggest learning has been that we need to do this kind of, even in smaller scale, this kind of testing and innovation work also in the older districts, because this way people see that the city is in a continuous transformation and we want to look to the future and find new ways to improve the quality, not only in the new, latest districts, but we do take care also uh, in the older ones. One tip is to be be open and share your own experience. And that is why I encourage also people to take a look at Forum Virium's uh, website, because there we have published a lot of information also in English. So forumvirium.fi is the address. What is also important is that the city and the private sector has their ways to work together before the large investment decisions so that everyone is aware of the opportunities and on the other hand the markets do know what type of services they should developments and offer. In the Finnish gaming industry we have the saying that an early failure is part of the true success and this kind of agile piloting actually is a way to offer also those valuable early failures. Because uh, what could be more valuable than learn something and uh, notice that we need to change the direction a bit and then we are on the path to the success.
3: One-size-fits-all solutions rarely make our cities better and more livable. Each neighborhood, and often also each city block, is different, and city planners should take this into account when coming up with urban solutions. As Helsinki's experience shows, the best way is for the city hall to listen to the citizens and to co-create better cities together with them and the businesses working on urban fixes. For Monocle in Helsinki, I'm Petri Burtsov.
0: that's all for this week's episode of the urbanist you can subscribe on all good podcast platforms to get new episodes of the show every week and you can subscribe to monocle magazine for regular reports on all things architecture and urbanism just visit monocle.com the urbanist is produced by carlotta Rabello and david stevens who also edits the show i'm andrew tuck goodbye and thank for listening city lovers